Since the show has mainly been interviews and income reports, I am gonna shake it up a little bit. I'm feeling a little wild cardish today. <laughs> today, I am being the one that's interviewed by Indigo Colton on her podcast, and I asked her if she wouldn't mind sending me the file because Indigo was asking some really great questions that I figured you might want the answers to, so I wanted to make sure that this audio file got in front of your ears. Also, a quick thank you to all of you who have left me a review on iTunes. I cannot thank you enough for how appreciative I am of how much you support this show because it really helps us get in front of even more entrepreneurs that are ready to become a CEO and raising their hand to stepping into that role of their business. So if you have an iPhone, that means you have a Purple Podcast app. <laughs> so if you have the Purple Podcast app, would you mind searching for this podcast inside of that app and then leaving a review? It really does help the show out. In the future, we will be giving out prizes at random to those who review because, again, I just want to say thank you for those that take a few minutes of their time to help out the show. So let's just go ahead and dive into this interview together now that you've left your amazing, glowing five-star review on your phone. And before we get started, I would love it if you could just quickly tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So you want to tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Haley, creator of the Profit Planner Lounge and host of the Profit Planner Podcast. So what I do is I empower entrepreneurs to become CEOs, to step into that CEO role in their business that doesn't allow, allow them to be overworked anymore. I think as entrepreneurs, when I think of an entrepreneur, I think of squirrel brain and shiny object syndrome. But when I think of a CEO, I think of ease and kind of just gracefully stepping into that role whenever you wake up in the morning each day. So that's what I do. I love that. And I love, so I feel like in the entrepreneurial world, like CEO is just this term that's kind of thrown around, right? We're not like corporate C-level executives with like the glass offices and the high rises and the suits. But when you're thinking about a CEO in the entrepreneurial world, what does that kind of bring up for you? Like what, I need to touch a little bit, but like what image does that bring up? Like what are you thinking of or trying to embody when you are empowering people to be a CEO? Yeah, I think freedom. Freedom is the number one word that comes to my mind and not just freedom of, oh, I don't run my business anymore and I get to do whatever I want. Freedom is then you have a business that doesn't require you 24-7. I think a lot of businesses right now require them to be present and whenever they stop, their business stops. That's scary. So being a CEO means you don't have to have a business that requires your time and attention, answering all those questions 24 seven, being emotionally drained at the end of the day, you're creating a business that impacts people's lives, which is amazing, while also impacting your own and having time for self care, having time to travel, having time to do whatever you want, whenever you want, while filling your soul with what your business is doing for the world. I just feel like that's like a mic drop moment. Like that is so profoundly put. And like, I feel like everyone can resonate with that because that's the dream, right? To like, to be able to travel, to be able to like, feel like, oh, there's this conference or this thing. Or like, I just want to go see my family on the other side of the country yeah. and I can drop yeah. it and do it. Exactly. Yeah. So how, 
I know that you are helping other people do this, but how have you found that in your own business as you're shifting into that CEO role? Yeah, it's been, it's been crazy because I, I have income reports online. So if you go to profitplanner.co slash income, I'm, I'm really transparent. I'm like an open book basically about, you know, how much I'm making every month. And then also what my entrepreneurial journey is. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering what the last month was like, <laughs> just listen to one of those episodes because I kind of spill it all. I'm pretty vulnerable there. But I think lately, as we're recording this, this transition has looked like a lot more travel. Um, I live in a very tiny town in the South. So being a CEO in a town that has a few thousand people and I'm surrounded by cows and chicken poop, um, it's not a title that's widely used, if at all. And the only business owners in this area are farmers who would not consider themselves a CEO. So it's been really interesting crafting what a CEO means to me when I'm not around a lot of them in my daily life. But it's been more of how do I want to run a business? I guess that allows me to travel. Like just, I, I now I travel like three times a month now, which is so great. And then also just being able to scale my impact. So I think that's a big thing because before as an entrepreneur, you think more one-on-one -on -one impact, which is awesome. And that kind of builds the foundation for stepping into that CEO role. But once you're in the CEO role, you're not impacting one-to-one -one as much. It's one-to-many. So you can impact more people. You're casting a wider net. So it's for me, it's been figuring out how that looks like and what's the best way to go about it and the direction and, you know, everything to do with that. Yeah, I love it. And I love that mindset shift of, right, and I'm thinking of this in my own business because I'm working through a similar transition where most of what I do is one-to-one, -one, right? I help mm -hmm. people with their business operations and I like work with that one person. We look at their one business mm -hmm. and we make an impact in their one life. Right. But as a CEO, like you're saying, it's shifting from kind of like how I know how to do this one-on-one -on -one thing and I can stay here and like the business owner role. But if you shift up here, the CEO, it's like taking what you know how to do one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. and turning it into something where you don't have to be running it for every single person, which yeah. is, that's what you're doing with your membership, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just shifting our role. And also it helps with mindset because it, I have this rule that I've been talking about recently of like, let's say your goal is 10,000 a month. 10x that to 100,000 a month. Now, how would you approach your business if you 10x your goal? Completely differently, right? So for me, I 10xed it and then I went to, well, I was supposed to go to like 830,000. That was a little bit too intimidating. And I was going to do this by December. So I was like, no. So my goal is 500,000 and I realized, wow, some of the people that I was going to even fire and replace, I can't I can't have that. I need to have that expert in that position. And then also people that I was going to um, increase their position, I had to actually demote or consider firing. So it was like my team shifted based on this one goal. It's crazy how just one number can impact exactly the direction of where your business is headed because you think more long-term instead of short-term. Right, right. You're thinking like, 
and this probably isn't the real number, but just for the sake of example, like you're thinking like 2 million in two years, as opposed to like a hundred thousand this year and Mm -hmm. setting yourself up for that goal today, as opposed to just like, okay, I'm going to try and hit the hundred thousand. Then you hit the hundred thousand. They're like, okay, I'm going to go to 500 and then things change. You're just like bypassing all of that and going straight to what's it going to look like if I'm going for two or three or what, like 10 million, I could feel like that could be possible. It just speeds up the process. And it also helps create more easy environment too, because if you are, know you're going to hit 2 million, yet you're setting yourself up for a hundred thousand, those are completely different businesses. I mean, a 100,000 business and a $2 million business is run completely different. So it's easier to hit a hundred thousand dollars. You don't need the team. You don't need a lot of stuff to hit a hundred thousand two million. You're going to need some quality people. And anyways, yeah, you just, you'd approach everything differently. It's so interesting. Oh my gosh. I obsess over, I nerd out over this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'd love to hear, cause you have a pretty big team, right? Seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sizable. I would say in like the online space, that's a pretty yeah. big team. Um, so when you when you're looking at arranging that to hit like the two million, for example, mm-hmm. um, are you looking more for people who can grow with you, or are you looking more for people who can like stay in the roles that you need them in today? It might- depends on the role. Yeah. So like what I've done is I've split up. I've split up my company. It's like hard because this is a podcast, but let's just envision this together. Okay. Try to try to work with me here. (laughs) So the very top you have visionary, right? That's one role underneath the visionary is the integrator. They're like the second brain underneath the visionary and integrator. Then you have three departments, sales, operations, finances, and then each department needs to have a head of the department. And then underneath each department, underneath the head of each department is the roles of like what makes that department keep working on autopilot for you. Mm-hmm. Right? So then you have to see, okay, what role, what are the expectations of each role? So for me, the integrator and head of operations, those are very important roles to me to where I want that to be more long-term yet inside the operation part of it, that's whenever it gets to, okay, um, podcast, social media, affiliate marketing, management, um, designing, all of those things, those are a little bit more flexible. Now, some are less flexible than others. For instance, like my affiliate manager, she's not that flexible. Like I'm pretty solid on keeping her because she does so well and she's building up this huge department on business. So, you know, there are other people that are more flexible than that. And that's more of an intuitive call. You just kind of have to use your intuition for that. But the higher they are, in your on your accountability chart like for instance my integrator i want a full-time integrator now right now she's getting paid full-time money but not full-time because of you know just uh, everything but then my head of ops i also want that to be full-time as well so that's going to be a thing for next year is okay i'm going to be hiring full-time people in these positions which is scary but that's kind of where i'm at Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. And yeah. that, for everyone listening to you, I just want to point out that all the stuff that Haley went through, you can find in the book Traction, which I'll link to yes. in the show notes. It lays it out exactly. So if you want to visualize it, that's where you'll go. 
Yeah. Um, but I also kind of want to dig in because I feel like hiring employees for your business is like this weird thing that nobody talks about in the online business. That's space. kind of true. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to hear like how you just kind of like how you kind of realized that you needed employees versus contractors. And then if your mindset had to shift around like building your team as you came to that realization that you would need full-time people. Yeah. Um, I think it's a shift in the business. Like my goal is to get to 500,000 a month. Right. So that's a pretty big goal. Like whenever I said that to my team, they're like, that's really aggressive Haley. <laughs> but that's what I do. I just come up with these crazy numbers and I compete with myself and I'm like, let's do it. Let's just try it for fun. And they're like, okay. So when I came to them for this, I was thinking if I want to get to this amount, if I want to get to this level in business, I'm going to need, like, I have to think about energy levels. So mm -hmm. my contractors, you know, they don't need to really, I guess, integrate into the mission of my company, which is empowering entrepreneurs to become CEOs. That's my mission. But my integrator, my head of ops, my CFO, my head of sales, those people need to really integrate into this mission because those are the head of the departments that are basically pivoting my business every single month. That's a huge deal. So I didn't know, I, I figured out I don't want a contractor in these roles because I need them to devote every ounce of their energy to empowering entrepreneurs to become CEOs to where their brain does not switch to another client. Their brain, it's just me. It's just profit planners and pouring all of their energy into my community. That's what I wanted. Now, if you're just wanting to hit, let's say a million dollar business, honestly, you don't even need a full-time employee to hit a million, right? But it, it all depends on what your goal is and where you're at. But I think whenever you figure out, okay, I need a team member that's going to devote all their energy to just me. That's when you need to think about hiring full-time. And it's less scary than you might think. Whenever I said it first out loud, I thought, holy crap. Goodness, I don't know if I can do that because not just that long ago, three months ago, I quit my job as a full-time employee and now I'm already thinking about, you know, hiring some of my own. So that was scary. But when I looked into it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, my bookkeeper was going to handle most of it, all the technical side of things. So the onboarding process wasn't too big of a deal. I think the only thing that I knew that I needed to really set myself up for was how can I make sure that they feel loved and appreciated? I think that's the hardest part of all and making sure you're prepared for that. And I know whenever I worked at my job, I didn't feel loved and appreciated because my strengths weren't being used where they needed to be. Not that it wasn't a great job. It was, but my strengths were completely disregarded. It was like, this is your job. You need to do this. And I'm not a very details oriented person, but I was doing all these detailed things and I was miserable. So it's more of, I really have to, I'm very efficient and like building a relationship is not an efficient thing to do. It's very time consuming. And so I have to slow myself down and say, okay, I really want to get to know you. That way I can not only use you in the best way possible, but make sure that you feel so appreciated and loved. Cause I never want anyone to feel like how I felt when I worked at that job, you know, not that that job was terrible. Like I'm not bashing. I think nine to five is not that bad, but you know what I'm saying? 
yeah, yeah, I get it. You want, you want to intentionally build a culture where people like, they feel like their strengths are being recognized. Yes. Their, their role can change depending on what they're best at and what you need, but where they feel like you appreciate them and you care about them as people. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's so great because not everybody stops to like, think about how they want their culture to be right? Mm-hmm. Like I know so many people that I've worked with over the years or just know where it's like, it's just them. And then they need to outsource something. So they bring on one person, then they need to outsource something. They bring on someone else. And it's just kind of just like business decisions. Yeah. And it's just like, they're piling on and not that any, like not that any of those people are bad or the cultures were bad, but it just never felt intentionally built for the most part right like most people are just like okay I need you come in but not changing anything else so I think that you're like right now and I assume that you also did this before you hired your current seven team members like you're figuring out how you want them to feel and what you want to prioritize like that I think just sets you and your company apart and that's going to make people really excited to work with you full-time or Mm -hmm. part-time or contracts they're like Haley loves me and she appreciates me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not the most detail oriented person. So right now, like you have to be aware of your strengths Mm -hmm. because my strengths are not in the details. My head's always up in the clouds. And I think a lot of CEO visionary people are like this as well. Their head's always up in the clouds. You're always thinking of the next thing. You're not really worried about what's happening now because you're always thinking forward at all times. You never look back. And that's my problem is because, especially even with team communication, I have this vision and communicating it clearly is so hard for me. Cause I'm like, this isn't efficient. I don't want to have to, you should just know, like read my mind, do it, you know, that kind of thing. And that's the way most visionaries work. So realizing, okay, my strength is creating the vision, but my strength is not communicating it. So what Mm -hmm. I need to do, and this is why I hired an integrator. Well, one of the many reasons why I hired an integrator, (laughs) let's be honest, I was going crazy, but was that I could communicate my vision to her in a really simple way. And then she would just take it and make executive decisions and talk to the team and make it happen. So like my, my position is now the what figuring out how are we going to pivot the company, the direction of the company and what it's headed. And then just loving on my community. That's like all my, I'm in charge of now. And then the integrator is in charge of the how. So she's in charge of hitting deadlines and making sure what I want done is just done and and done in a a good way. That way I don't have to worry about the details of it all. I don't Mm -hmm. have to be asked a million questions. She answers them and makes executive decisions. And that's what was really slowing me down without the integrator. I think as like, I would lay out this chart for you and say, okay, where am I at on this chart right now? You might be in the operation part right now. You might not even be head of ops in your business if you don't have a VA or whatever. So work your way up. So whenever I was working my way up, I worked my way up all the way to the integrator role. And I filled this integrator role and I was exhausted because it's so many details and I was going crazy. So when I took that off my plate, everything's just falling into place now. And we've scaled so much quicker because I was becoming the bottleneck of my business and keeping me from scaling. Yeah, I love that. And I would love to kind of dig into that for people who are listening who are maybe like, I don't know, like, am I the bottleneck of my business? 
Because I feel like that can be hard to be self-aware about. That's true. The answer is probably yes, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I will agree. Like as someone who is currently going through a similar process to not be the bottleneck in my own business, the answer is probably yes. But I would love to know just like when you had that realization, what, and I know we've kind of touched on it already about like being in the details and trying to like answer Mm. all the questions, but was there anything else that made you realize if I wasn't here and I wasn't doing X, Y, Z, we could already be to this goal? Yeah. So I think, so for me, I'm still scaling and you can see it on my income reports. I'm always going up. I always increase at least an extra 5,000 a month, but I'm not jumping ahead to like, I'm making 20 to 40,000 a month. And that's, I'm a little bit crazy with numbers. So, but that's what I expect. And it's not happening. Then again, I still am scaling. So it's not really a numbers thing. It's more of I just have to go back to intuition, which is, you know, not a very direct answer. I'm very, very sorry, but no, it's perfect. I felt like I was not in my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. When you feel like you're not in your zone of genius, that's when there's a problem. And whenever you feel emotionally drained at the end of the day, that's a problem. Um, I was getting migraines at the end of the day because my mind was thinking way too hard. That's mm-hmm. a problem. You know, there are a lot of red flags that we have that go up whenever we're just not doing what we're meant to do. And I would make a list of what are your favorite things to do in your business? And then look at where those tasks fall on the accountability chart. You might like one department of operation or you might like this or whatever that looks like, but figure out where your strengths lie and what you're most productive at and then go all in on that until you can make enough sales to start hiring people to replace you. Keep hiring to replace you. And I think a big thing is people don't focus on sales enough. This is huge and I don't want to sound like money is all that matters because I think in this online space, there's still a lot of money mindset issues here. Um, but money runs your business. It's your oxygen. If you're not making money, you're not, your business, your business is not breathing and it's suffocating. That's not okay. So we need to make sales. So mm-hmm. posting on Instagram consistently is not going to help you make sales. Let's be honest, right? Like if you're posting every day, that's probably a really bad use of your time. Um, only post two times a week. Let's face it. No one really sees it anyways. So really evaluating what you're working on and how it's directing people to sales. That way, whenever you start making those sales and you can hire people underneath you, you're going to scale a whole lot quicker that way. So what I found, especially with profit planners is that they have a podcast and then they're repurposing it to a blog and a YouTube channel. They're posting on Instagram consistently. They have a Facebook group. They're not scheduling their posts. They're just posting whenever they're inspired because they get the most engagement that way. And all these things, right. That they're told to do from podcasts and videos that they've watched online And it's all wrong because none of that stuff, they have no sell strategy. Like how are they selling their their products? You're like, well, I guess just organic traffic. I'm building up my community. Yeah, but there's a whole lot easier way to do it. Like you're doing it the really long way and you have to focus on sales. You have to focus on getting money. Otherwise you're not going to have money to replace yourself. And you're spending all this time on all these things that are really low level tasks. So that was a really passionate rant. I'm sorry, but I hope that helped. (laughs) No, it does. Um, 
And it reminded me of something that I heard my Elias say one time at a conference this year, or maybe it wasn't a conference. Everything just kind of blends together in my brain at this point. (laughs) At some point she said that like, she like her job is to ask for the sale. And if that annoys people, then like, don't follow her. And I think that's a really great mindset. It ties into what you're saying, because I feel like we think we as like online entrepreneurs think, Oh, like if I'm just nice enough and I just give, 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 give a million times without ever asking for anything, I'll just magically get like all these clients and all these sales and all these like students. Um, when really like if we're not telling people how they can work with us, like whether like for you, it's like joining your membership for me, it's like working one-on-one. Right. Um, we're not explicitly saying, Hey, here's how we can work together. Let's do it. Then we're not going to get paid. And then right. we're not going to have a business. Yeah. And I work with a lot of service-based entrepreneurs actually. And a lot of them don't really say how to even book or anything along those lines. But even beyond that, you know, they might have a podcast and they're repurposing it. They're transcribing it. They're doing YouTube video and they don't have a VA to help them. I'm like, don't repurpose it. That's going to save you so much time. But logically you think, well, I'm reaching a bigger audience. Mm -hmm. But the time that it's taking to reach that bigger audience is not very a smart use of your time. So let's rewind back. Just make sure everyone's actually listening to your podcast. And then on that podcast, make sure you're pitching yourself. You are the sponsor of your own podcast. You are the one that's saying, Hey, fill out an application here. Book me here. I'd love to work with you. Do client testimonials on your podcast, right? Like that's so much, that's a much better use of your time than repurposing content that has no pitch or even repurposing content that has a really crappy pitch, you know? So that's something to think about. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like what other uh, service-based entrepreneurs do. Oh, sending out um, hello sign and PayPal invoices instead of automating the client onboarding and offboarding experience. And I would really just evaluate what you're actually working on and maybe even do time tracking. I hate saying that because you probably just rolled your eyes as you were listening <laughs> to me in the back of your head. But hear me out because if you listen, if you listen to what you're spending your time on, let that data speak to you and tell you what you might need to drop or figure out because outsourcing may not be an option for everyone. So let's say you're listening and you're like, I can't afford a VA. Okay, that's fine. Then let's do this. Let's evaluate what you're spending your time on. And if you can invest in a tool to automate some of those tasks that are completely off your plate, because some people go straight to a VA it might be better just to have a $25 a month software to automate it instead of spending $150 a month on a VA that does the exact same thing. Right? So that's an option too. I, I think a lot of people write it off of, Oh, I can't outsource a VA, but you can automate. You can automate. Yeah. And I feel like automation is like, I don't know. It's like this weird thing where it's so powerful and the people that know about it, love it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then there are people that like, are like, Oh, like it's just automation. It can't be that easy when really it can be, and it should be that easy. Yep. You know, like I think Ashlyn Carter refers to convert kit as like her digital Butler for like welcoming (laughs) you or something like that. Right. Yes. Yes. Think about these softwares and these tools is not just like, 
oh, it's like this cold piece of technology, but it's adding in elements that just happen without you having to be there or anybody else for that matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in my funnel, whenever we lead people through a webinar sequence, uh, then what happens is if they don't buy, they get 12 to 15 weeks of emails just once a week. Now we're not like spamming them, but that way we don't have to do weekly email newsletters. That saves so much time. And I learned that from Caitlin Badger. She's a genius, I swear. Um, and I know Indigo is familiar with Caitlin too. So yeah, I mean, she's, she's great. A genius. So yeah, just replacing those things with, okay, are you spending time on a weekly newsletter? Well, why don't you just create an automated sequence? Look at all your past email newsletters, create something that's done for 15 weeks. There you go. 15 emails. Whenever you get a new lead, they go through, they're like done for 20 weeks of whatever that looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. So save so much time. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Um, and I'd also be curious. And if you're willing to share a little bit, cause mm -hmm. I know that you have a method for helping people figure out what they can automate. Um, mm -hmm. if you'd be willing to sort of walk people through an abbreviated version of that, if they're listening yeah. and they're like, yes, I'd love to start automating, but how do I figure out like what can be done by a software versus what would have to be done by another person? Yes. So the way that I like to do this, which we're going to have to do it a pretty abbreviated version, but I'm just going to walk you through this super quick. I would get like a piece of paper out, maybe Google doc, Evernote, whatever you have. And I just want to ask you four quick questions. So these four questions are going to determine the tasks and projects in your business right now that's driving all the profit and figuring out, are you doing way too many things? Probably are. So we'll either look at that. We'll figure out what we need to eliminate, what we need to automate, create systems around or outsource. So those are the things that I want you to be thinking about. So question number one is what are my income sources? Pretty simple. Uh, some people that go through this are thinking, wow, my income source was just affiliate money. That's not enough to create my $10,000 a month like I thought it was. Like, yeah. So, you know, this question can bring a lot of clarity to, to your business model and what's bringing in money, but this is a really important question. So what are income sources? Be super specific here. So for me, um, I have an academy on my site that just sells kind of passive products like workflows. Instead of just saying workflow shop, I'm going to say blog workflow, podcast workflow, YouTube workflow, team management workflow. So like I'm going to split those up. That's I, super specific, right? Um, because when we go back through this, you'll understand why. Now, the second question I want you to ask yourself is what is driving traffic in my business right now? So this is anything that is driving traffic, very simple. Um, email list, Pinterest, Facebook group, Facebook page, Instagram, so many things, ads, so many things you can put on this list. This is, pro this is probably going to be the longest list. And then question number three I want you to ask yourself is, what are my community builders? Now, if you want to know what a community builder is, a community builder is a platform that you can talk one-to-one -one or one-to-many. It has both options. So I say one-to-one -one and one-to-many, not or. So like Instagram stories, you can talk one to many, like record Instagram story, but then they can also DM you. So it's a one-on-one. -on -one. So an Instagram story would be a community builder. Instagram post, same thing. Those are two different builders. Um, not, don't just put Instagram. Let's see. Pinterest, you can't. So Pinterest wouldn't be a community builder because you're not actually building up that community. It's more of a search engine. So don't put Pinterest as a community builder. 
um, Facebook group. Facebook group, you can post one to many, but also follow up in the comment section one to one. So typically Facebook groups and Instagram stories are the most popular community builders, but I hope that definition helps a bit. Now the fourth question I want you to ask yourself is what are my content magnets? So a content magnet falls into three categories, audio, video, written, right? And so underneath each category, you have like video, you have YouTube, Facebook Live, uh, so many options in our video, right? Live video, Instagram live video, and then written, you have blog, um, you can do PR, press on other things, and then audio, you have podcasts, you have, you know, all those different types of, well, really just podcast. Who knows though? There's so many different things coming out with audio. So, you know, in literally the next five minutes, something else could come up. But those are the four questions that I really want you to ask yourself and get super specific with the answers. Now, once you've answered all of that, you'll have this huge long list of everything you're doing right now that's driving your business forward. Because if it falls under content, community, traffic, or income source, it's pretty important. Nothing else matters if it doesn't fall under those four categories. So if it doesn't fall under those four categories, eliminate it completely out of your life and your business. Bye-bye. Now, the things that do fall into the categories, I want you to ask yourself this question for each individual line. How can I create systems around this? How can I automate this? Or how can I outsource this? So if you can create better systems around it, put an S by that item. If you can outsource it, put an O. If you can automate it, put an A. You might not be able to put every letter by each one. You might just be able to put an O. So for instance, your free Facebook group, you might just say, my VA could handle this. She can schedule the post, accept new members, welcome new members. She can handle that. Okay, put an O. Or maybe you can automate that. So maybe A is, I need to batch all, I need to have better systems around batching all my Facebook group, group posts. I need to maybe get a software tool that's going to automate all those posts that are being posted every Monday. I have this thread go up and I'll pay $20 a month for a tool that'll do that for me instead of a VA. So like, what does that look like? Things like that. That's what I want you to start thinking about and seeing this whole list in front of you, you might say, wow, maybe I don't need this traffic source or maybe I don't need this or maybe I need to eliminate these two things so I can focus more on Pinterest as a source or, you know, what does that look like for you? I want you to ask yourself not only how can I systemize, outsource, and automate, but should I automate or eliminate this? Is it emotionally draining me and I can't automate it? Eliminate it. You don't have to do everything that you've answered. So that's going to be a pretty good filter for you, I hope, when it comes to figuring out the tasks that you can automate in your business. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole step-by-step process. I think that's going to be super helpful for everyone listening. Um, and I love also, you just gave people permission to just stop doing the stuff that they hate, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Permission if, to not do it all, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am so there with you team. Do not do all the things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So when you're, when you're taking people through this process, um, cause I know this is part of your membership, which I'm a part of. It's amazing. You should join. You. It is amazing. <laughs> um, but do you come up against a lot of resistance? Like people being like, Oh, but like, I have to keep like owning this process or keep doing this thing, even though it's emotionally draining, it keeps me from the things I want to do. It doesn't drive revenue, like insert whatever 
excuse people have here? I think I used to. I used to when I first started the membership, but I'm a very direct person. And so I think people are scared to tell me that now because <laughs> they know I'm going to be super direct with them and call them out on saying that because that's a huge thing. And, you know, whenever you're inside the membership, taking on that profit planner title, like if you're in the profit planner lounge, you are a profit planner. You've gone through the programs, you've gone through, you've created systems, you have an automated business, hopefully, if you've done the programs correctly. So if you say, if you like have that kind of, oh, but I need to do this, people are going to call you out and they're going to say, no, let's be creative. Let's think outside of the box. Now, some people, they'll say, okay, I have this thing on my plate. I don't want to do it. And I want to figure out how to get off, but I don't know how. So that's what they've kind of changed it to. And then us as a community, we say, okay, well, let's bring up it out. Let's be creative. And we do it on zoom calls and stuff. But yeah, I think, um, once you're inside the profit planner lounge and you've gone through the programs, you switch your mindset a little bit around automation and you realize, Oh, I can't automate pretty much everything. So yeah. Figuring out the how. <laughs> yeah. And I love that it's like, it's community source too, right? It's not yes. that you're, you're just trying to do it on your own right. and figure it out. You have this whole like collective people that really just want to help you get to that point. Exactly. And hands off and have things be automated. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I would love also just because they realized we didn't actually do this at the beginning, um, but you've used the phrase profit planner a lot. And every, right, like Profit Planner Lounge, Profit, like your business is a profit planner. Um, so I'd love to know, like, what is a profit planner? Yeah. So a profit planner uh, is a person that's gracefully stepping into the CEO role of their business every single day. They have a profit plan that filters all of their amazing ideas to make sure that they're always prioritizing what's the most important for each quarter. And so what I like to have, what I like to call a profit plan is let's say you want, you have a goal in your head of like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Okay. So we're going to break down that revenue goal into what's driving that a hundred thousand dollars to fruition. So that means that we're not only breaking your, that $100,000 into quarters, into projects, we're breaking it down into a daily actionable color-coded to-do list. So now you know what to do on a Monday morning at 10 a.m. to get to $100,000. I think a lot of people don't know that. And that's what a profit planner is. They wake up, drink their smoothie, they do their yoga, meditation, whatever. They sit their cute butt in their office chair, and they look at this color-coded calendar, and they only do what's on their list for today which means they're only working maybe two to three hours. That's it. And then they get up and they're done because they've eliminated the question, what do I do next? They've eliminated all of the overwhelming ideas and just all of the chaos that was their life and all the scattered post-it notes everywhere full of ideas, which I still do, but I have an organized system for it so it doesn't dictate what I'm doing next as a to-do list item. So it's just really specific on how we approach our time, how we approach having a profitable, sustainable business, and just having a system around everything that doesn't put chains on us, but gives us freedom. I love it. And it basically, I feel like that just ties together everything that we've talked about into one really neat package. Totally. <laughs> awesome. And I also, I feel like that is just, 
a really perfect place to wrap up because we've covered so much and I feel like we could just go on forever as like fellow like systems <laughs> automation people. Um, but where we've covered so much, we've helped people identify for the bottlenecks. You give them an amazing process and we're going to help, help everyone get to be a profit planner and a CEO in their own right.